I did not want to do what people thought or the, the intelligentsia or the critics or whatever the community thought I should do. I wanted to go and break that mold and do something else, you know, I wanted to zig instead of zag. So that's why I followed Action Adventure and I had a very specific reason for doing that as well. The reason being that when I was doing uh, Time to Kill in Africa and my father was with me, I noticed that all the uh, African folks were in these huts watching movies. And the movies they were watching were Charles Bronson movies. And I knew then that adventure films were the universal language. And I thought that if I would do that, it would give me tenure. Hello and welcome to CageCast, the podcast that joyfully dissects the filmography of one of America's most unique and engaging leading men, Nicolas Cage. I'm Nate Porter and with me is Britt Porter. Hello everyone! Blah blah blah, talk talk talk. We're talking with each other. We are talking. Witty banter back and forth. About movies! Nick Cage. Woohoo, Nicholas! Girl Scout cookies. What's your mm. favorite Girl Scout cookie? Mine? Yeah, your favorite variety. Your flavor. You know, Samoas seem to be the obvious sure. choice. You got your, but co- your coconut. Your caramel. Your chocolate. But then I think, you know, I feel like taglongs don't get their due. Chocolate. Peanut butter. Crispy C- cookie. Crispy cookie crunch. And let me tell you, the tagalongs frozen can't be beat. Now, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard <laughs> one for me. It's now, let me tell you, this is going to be the most interesting discussion as you listen, because today we are talking about the Nicolas Cage film, Time to Kill. So, uh, Britt, why don't you tell them how CageCast works? Well, I will do that. Uh, here is how CageCast works. We are in the process of watching every Nicolas Cage film in order, according to the film's release date. We'll be reviewing every film in which Nicolas Cage had either a starring role or an integral supporting role. This episode, we'll be discussing the 1989 film, if that's what you it, want to it call qual- it. It qualifies. Tempo di Chidare, or in English, Time to Kill. And uh, what will we be drinking as we record? Oh, did you get a text? Ding, ding. Who is it? Oh, it's a very important person. Who? Near and dear to the cage cast. Uh, who is it? Joy? It's All right. the business. What does she want? Oh, she She's obviously very excited. I could tell you, but you'd have to edit it out. All right. Well, what are we drinking tonight? That's uh, Red Diamond Merlot, a very nice 2010 from Washington State, where we are right now. Excellent. Why are we drinking red wine tonight? Well, that has to do with uh, the reason why we're so late in publishing this latest episode of CageCast, wouldn't you say? What are you talking about? I think the last one was was just on uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. Not too long ago. Sorry about that, everyone. So, folks at home listening in, I'm sure that you've been bemoaning the lack of episodes of CageCast, your favorite podcast out there in the castosphere, wondering why we haven't been up to date. And I'm just going to be honest with you, 
Uh, this was a terrible movie. You're doing this weird thing with your voice. You're going like, uh, this was a terrible movie. Well, this movie warrants weird voices. All right, It was on. an awful movie. We, it, it was. We were delayed in even wanting to watch it because it was so bad. Then we did, because we are devoted listeners, devoted to our quest of watching every Nicolas Cage film. And so we do this for you. Before for you. We, before we die. For you. That's right. Okay. So, so we watched the bad movie, and then what happened, Nate? Well, first off, we're going to break down the film's plot and themes, and then afterward, we're going to rate the film on a scale of zero to four stars in three different categories. The film is entertainment, the film is art, like the direction and cinematography, and then in terms of Cage's actual performance. Last week, slash year, slash episode, episode, last episode ago, our cumulative score for Vampire's Kiss was a 19.5, which actually puts it squarely in first place for the best Nick Cage movie out of the eight that we've reviewed thus far. I'm contractually obligated to ask, will Time to Kill claim the top spot again this week? No. No, no, no. You'll have to listen to find out. Oh, well, I'm guessing no. That's actually not what I meant when I asked you why it took us so long between viewing the film, the film, in quotation marks, if you want, and recording this podcast. Why Why do you believe that we uh, were so lax in our reporting on this particular piece <laughs> of Nicolas Cage? Sure. Um, well, creation. I can answer that. I can answer that question. It's because we actually watched the movie and... We try to be open-minded. We try to be critics, in a way, fans. We try to take this seriously. But after we watched Time to Kill, it was hard to uh, muster up the gumption to actually sit down and record this. This has been uh, hard. We've scheduled it several times. We've decided, okay, it's going to be, let's get this over with. And I usually, including tonight, have tried to delay the inevitable. That's right. And I just have to tell you, listeners... I'm just going to spoiler alert you. This is not a Nicolas Cage film that I would urge you to seek out for yourselves. We were lazy. We were, I'm just going to say it. We were lazy. And because it's so bad, didn't want to watch it. Sure didn't want to record it. Well, we, I wanted to watch it. And then when you did, you were so glad that you had that. No, it was, it was, no, I used for profit. For profitable terms. Profit. For, you know, life enhancement. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I was really excited about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were we were made better people on the watching of no, this No, no. Actually, we've just got to get through this. Uh, we're not going to do cage news today. There's going to be no bells and whistles. Uh, there's going to be no film clips interspersed throughout our witty banter. We really just need to make it through this review as quickly as possible, I think, so we can move on to greener pastures on the next episode. Yes, and I just want to add one more thing. If this is your first time... Oh, that's a good point. If this is your first time They're going to think we're this, you know... right. Nonchalant. If, if this is your first time listening to our beloved little podcast, I would urge you to go back and find a better film to listen to. Moonstruck, Peggy Ooh, that Sue was Got a good Married. One. Ooh, that was a great one. Birdie, even. What and about um, Raising Arizona? Raising Arizona. Trust me, people, this is not the time. Vampire's freaking kiss. This is not the time to break into the exciting up-and-coming world of the CageCast podcast No, this series. is for the diehards. <laughs> this That's is right. for the, the fans. This is not for the novice cage watchers, They're by not- any means. Go back. Go back. Give us some credit. Give us some credit. Every podcast can't be a 10. This is not We're aiming a for a solid six tonight. With all the pleasantries out of the way. Screw pleasantries. That's right. 
That's my line. Um, here are some stats uh, really quickly. This was released, if it was released, in September of 1989. When is Nicholas... When are we going to get to the 90, official films of the 90s? I think next uh, episode. The box office is who cares and no one knows. There were no notable co-stars. Uh, the director was some Italian guy. The writer was... Um, same deal, some Italian guy. Uh, Britt, what would you call the cage genre of this one? Man, lovably is... dopey. No, definitely we've a- exited that phase of his um, acting career. Lovably dopey. No, you know we were hemming and hawing, batshit crazy cage. It's possible he displays some evidences of that in this film, but it's nothing on par with some of the other films that we've seen where he really goes all out with his crazy. Right. So. Dull, boring, questionable cage? Dull, dull, boring cage? Morally depraved cage? Well, yeah, there's going to be plenty of morally depraved cage, but I mean... It's just this awful. might be it this just, might be a, a, it, a genre it, of its own. It might not be a categorizable film. I truly want to know why he decided to go this route with this film after just sort of you know we hit some big notes for him. Moonstruck, Raising Arizona, Vampires Kiss, even even that one as cult as it is was excellently done. Fantastic movie. Uh, shockingly. Uh, and then this is what he follows it up with. I don't understand. Okay, we're getting too deep into this. Uh, the one highlight, maybe, would maybe, be the soundtrack. Maybe, that's a stretch. Um, is Ennio Morricone. That's right. The guy from The Good, The Bad, The Ugly and a thousand other incredible movies. He did the soundtrack for this movie. He did the score. And so that's really the the only good thing I'm going to say about it, not to tip my hand, but we'll play a little bit of that for you now. And... Um, when that is done, we'll try to get this over as quickly as possible. This will not be a two-hour ordeal like we normally subject our uh, good listeners to, you out there. Our review coming up of Time to Kill. Right, time to kill. Not a time to kill. This is not that classic Matthew McConaughey movie from 1996. Matthew McConaughey? You mean Tom Cruise. No, no, no. No, you're thinking of The Firm. Oh, I am thinking of The Firm. Right. This is time to kill. Not That's right. I, a time to kill is, um, yes. what is it? Uh, I... Yes, I, yes, I hope they died. I hope they burn in here. Yes, that was fantastic. Yeah, it was great. This is not that. Can we watch that one? Actually, listener, watch that movie. And then listen to this podcast. Yeah, I think that would be a good mental exercise for you, listener. Give you something to do. Speaking of a mental exercise, Britt, can you read the plot synopsis of Time to Kill? I can. Are we all ready? Here we go. Lieutenant Silvestri suffers a toothache and decides to reach the nearest camp hospital. En route to the dentist, his vehicle has an accident and stops near a rock. Silvestri continues by walking. On his way, he meets and attempts to rape a young Ethiopian woman. No attempt there. A rather tall Ethiopian man sees this and runs towards the two. The momentum of him sprinting to save the young woman from her perverted, war-driven, and nervous attacker, allowing him to... Wait, 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 wait. Okay, this is funny because this is the... um, This is... I just copied and pasted this from Wikipedia. It's nothing like the movie. Keep reading. 
Yeah, I don't even think I should. I mean, really, we're just going to talk about the movie. If you really want to see what Wikipedia has to say about it, I think that you can do that homework yourself. Let's just get right into it. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. There's okay. nothing here of value for us. We're not going to cut these sorts of corners anymore. But No, just this one time. That's funny. I hadn't even read that. Everyone gets a hope. Wonderful. So, so, time to kill. So, here's what the uh, illustrious well, Wikipedia... Hold on, hold on. What's your history with this movie? Nothing. Nothing. Had you, Never heard had, of it. Had you heard of it? No, Nothing. All right. Me, me neither. How did we... I, I, how wish did we... I, could, I wish I could harken back to that time where I had never heard of it, <laughs> let alone seen it. How did you... How did we watch this it movie? It was a time of innocence for me. We... Uh, I bought it on eBay on VHS. I think you can get it on Amazon on DVD for 50 or 60 or 75 But why? Dollars. Why would you do that? Yeah, please don't. Don't do that. Okay. It's not worth it. So I actually also had to go to Goodwill and buy a VHS player. Now, I, I had intended to get a... Um, conversion from the vhs to audio to uh put in clips like like we normally do during the show but i said screw that because it's just not worth it you can't even pirate this movie you can't go to pirate bay or anything like that and find a good copy of it in english and so i kind of i kind of figured that no one's actually going to really watch it because of this review and so we're just we're just going to go for it we're just doing it now i do want to point out that what Wikipedia doesn't tell you is that this movie takes place during the Italian-Ethiopian Conquest War. Right. Which we knew very little about, and at the close of our screening of Time to Kill, went to, again, Wikipedia, and read pretty thoroughly on this period of time that was basically kind of just right before World War II. Right. Well, they call Ethiopia Abyssinia. Yes. Yeah, for you history buffs, hey... I learned something today. It was actually going to Wikipedia and reading about the um, Italian-Ethiopian conflict was 10 times more exciting than the actual movie. Yes, it was fascinating. And we did read a little bit about the book that this movie is based on and the author himself, who is Italian. And that was interesting, too. But all said and done, this movie takes place during this conflict, which, again, is something that I was not really that aware of. I poured some more wine for you here. Thank you. That's great. Just a note for you listeners, that's where this film is set. It's set during this uh, this minor skirmish, this kind of nine-month-long war between Italy and Ethiopia, and it's just a few years prior to the start of World War II and Mussolini's rise to power, um, which is just a fascinating read if you go and look on Wikipedia for search for the Italian Ethiopian war. It. Yeah, right. it's really it really is quite interesting, which is more than I can say for this particular selection by Sir Nicholas Cage. So Cage plays Enrico, who is a, you know, lieutenant in the Italian army. He sort of a middleman right. officer. He has know. we don't know much about him except he has a toothache, like his his mouth hurts. Yes. And his entire company's going to go to the next village or town. And he doesn't want to wait for that to happen. And so he he gets on another truck. Well, he kind of leaves his entire unit in like first thing in the morning or the middle of the night. I mean, he just says, I have this toothache. I can't wait as long as, you know, 12 hours to go with all of you to the next place to get it looked at by a doctor. I'm out of here. So our synopsis was right in that that truck that he gets on actually does break down. It, It hits a rock or something like that. There was an accident. And he's in so much pain that he actually leaves the truck and walks into the African wasteland uh, by himself. Yeah, it's crazy. He basically decides to bolt from his unit, 
of soldiers takes this truck. It breaks down and he's in the middle of nowhere in Africa. And he just is like, see you later. I'm walking. I actually want to take a second and step back. Nicolas Cage at this point in his career has been in Raising Arizona, got a lot of critical acclaim. Then he was in Moonstruck and got a lot of attention. It won several Oscars and he was kind of known as a heartthrob at this point. He did Vampire's Kiss, much to the chagrin of his agents and and kind of the, the people that were handling his career. And then he chooses to fly to Africa and do an Italian movie about this Ethiopian conflict. What is he thinking at this point? No idea. I mean, no seriously, idea. like, well, let's try to put ourselves in his mindset. Like, is he, does he not want to get typecast into a certain role? I really don't quite understand. I will say this. The majority of the films prior to this time that we have reviewed, he has played a very definitive sort of good looking young, you know, heartthrob of one kind or another. He's not been stuck in sort of the romantic comedy archetype, but he has, for the most part, had an element of that kind of a guy about most of the characters he's played. So maybe truly he wants to just kind of give the finger to the industry and go do something crazy. I don't know. Just my guess. And most of the characters he's been playing have been relatively good people. Maybe not the Peter Lowe from Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, that's where he really departs, I think. Right. But everyone else has been, you know, even if they've been kind of a scoundrel, in their heart, they've they've had a heart of gold. Yes, I would agree. This character could not be further from that. Uh, the rest of his company shows up at the next town. He's not there. No one knows where he is. He eventually shows up the next day, I think, and is getting his teeth looked at. And he asks the guy who's who's looking at his teeth, how long does it take for a bullet wound in your guts to kill someone? Is right. It- and he's sort of he's sort of uh, attached or trailed by another officer. It's not clear their relationship. They're kind of like maybe on the same. Well, they're buddies. They're buddies, but there's not there's not a hierarchy there. I mean, maybe they're sort of on the same plane. This other this other officer character. So some of what we what we find out about him is told through um, flashback. As he's telling the story of his adventure through the jungle to this other this other officer, right. it's very odd. Exactly, it's very very stilted in right. the way that it's done. It's very badly edited, but that's sort of the storyline. Is here's this other officer guy who is you know moderately concerned about Silvestri and where he's gone, and then when he shows up, it kind of wants to know, hey, what what's been going on with you? So he tells him what happens. He um he made it to a kind of a midway point where he goes to like a construction site where they're building a bridge and there's no dentist there, but he gets some painkillers and he meets this other soldier who has this kind of devilish look in his eye. I think they meant for this guy to to mean something more or be a metaphor for something, but he actually gives him a quote unquote shortcut through more wilderness and and arid wasteland and he just kind of like sims him walking throughout the desert yeah he's basically like if you get to the river and you follow that you'll get to the army headquarters blah 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 and so that's what you should do and so that's what he does and on the way well he walks um my favorite part is where he he meets a a lizard his little lizard buddy and he lets the lizard smoke the last of his cigarette yeah Super weird and random. And then he's walking and walking and finds kind of an oasis in the middle of the desert. And and who does he find but Marion? And Marion is this young African girl who is bathing in the river naked, as all young tribal girls are wont to do. I mean, do. that's how I bathe. Right, sure. In the nude. Totally normal. 
And he sees her in the river and she sees him. And there's sort of this awkward acknowledging of each other's presence. Well, he's about to like get in there too into yeah. this like lake or into this this little lagoon. lagoon. Yes. And but they don't speak the same language. It's not really clear what it is he's supposed right. to do. You know, Basically, you can't really tell if he's right. trying to be friendly or if he's he's got other things on his mind. So 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 she gets out, he's trying to figure and out where the naked, river naked, is. Naked, naked. No, she covers up and basically he rapes her. Yeah, like, out of nowhere. What? He rapes her. He basically No is basically. Like, no. He is like friendly, friendly, friendly. Talk, I talk, talk. am supposed to be Italian, but I have an American accent. Crocodile. Cage, How do I find the river? Have a, Rape. Uh, you know, can't understand his language. And then he just lays her down on the grass and rapes her. She's but not she's happy also about not it. like screaming either. She's just sort of like, no, no. But you know, in, in another well, language. No, she doesn't want him to do it. And he just he's just like, no, no, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Very matter of fact about it. Rapes. But then. Okay, not cool. So uh, by bad. the way, by the way, not cool. Yeah, we don't condone this in any shape or form whatsoever. Already but, we are just, this is our, and by the way, this is our hero. This is our protagonist. Yeah. This is the person we he, are supposed and, to be rooting for. And and we didn't mention this, but we have in other, other uh, podcast recordings. He opens the film. I mean, in, in other films, it's, you know, we sort of note, okay, how far into the movie do we get before we see Mr. Mr. Kajay? And he <laughs> opens the film. So right away, where it's all about him. Right away. And, and you know, 20 minutes in. Gets a little rapey. Yeah, gets a little rapey. But and it's graphic. I mean, it doesn't, like, show well, anything crazy. But I couldn't. It was. It made me uncomfortable. So here's. So he rapes her. Gross. Shocking. But then. A twist after he. Well, do you remember when he tries to give her, he tries to give her money? Well, yeah. So he rapes her and, you know, he's a soldier. He's got like a few little possessions on on him, like some money and a watch. Oh, his Bible. Yeah. I'll just, you know. Which is also anti-rape, by the way. He's got like a rucksack full of goods, basically. That apparently the Italians believed their soldiers must have on them. She's not as interested in that. Yeah, so he rapes her, and then afterwards, they're sort of awkwardly, he's trying to give her something, and all of a sudden, she decides she's in love with him. Well, it is Nicolas Cage. I mean, she's just like, oh, please don't rape me. Oh, but now that you have raped me, now I want you. And like, we're, I love yeah. you and we're going to be together forever. It's kind of setting the wrong message it's for the young so... women of Italy. And so after, you know, he, she's like, don't go. I want you. You're so wonderful. All while not speaking the same language. Then they have sex again, I think. Yeah. Less, He's like, less well, rape. okay. Okay, well. Yeah, now all of a sudden it's consensual. His refractory period is over and he's <gasps> he gets going again. It's, it's you guys. It's, it's, it's really it's, off. It's, it's just so weird. It's, it's definitely a huge WTF. Like, what is happening here? There, there's no real explanation. There's no right. real, here's a metaphor for there's war. No, there's or, no, hey, by the way, you should not like this. It's just very matter of fact. Rape. Rape turns get, into consensual get over it. adults consenting to love one another. Again, horrible message. This is not how real life works. Also, terribly done. I mean, from a from a filmmaking standpoint, I don't care about her apart from the fact that she was raped. Sure, I mean, no one wants that. I certainly don't care about him. No one cares about this pseudo relationship that has come from a terrible sort of beginning. Right, and to make matters worse, we quickly find out that he is already married back in Italy. That's the other thing is we know that he's got a wife in Italy because he... 
he, what he really wants is to go home. And you kind of get that, I think, from the beginning. He just doesn't want to be there anymore. He's kind of a wimp, really. Right. The entire uh, Italian-Ethiopian conflict only lasted nine months. So now, do you think he... he he's do you, not hanging in Do there. you think he got rapey because of the... And I'm not belittling... Wait, I am belittling rape, but I'm not, um, you know, making light of it when I say rapey. But do you think he got rapey because of the painkillers that he was taking for the toothache? Did they diminish his mental capacity in some way or is he just a horrible person i just think that he's weird i mean look at what he did with the lizard smoking the cigarette i just think he's just some weird weirdo italian soldier weirdo so they so, decide to kind of bunk out for the night yeah and and that's make the more other love thing. i suppose yeah that's the other thing is they don't speak the same language but she is clearly like attached herself to him imprinted much like twilight sure if that's the direction you want to go. Team Jacob. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I'm shocked that you know all these words, but hey, Spark- I don't ask Sparkly questions. vampires for life. Right. Exactly. Hashtag. Yes. So they, they, so, bunk, they so, bunk down. And she just like lives out in the wilderness by herself in a cave. So he just goes back to her cave. No, I think she has a village, but we don't know that yet. We don't. I'm trying to keep to the chronology of the film. Spoiler. Well, but there, there's nothing that. Tells us that she lives in a cave. Well, she's out they there. find a cave. She's out there in the in the wilderness by herself. You don't see Correct. anybody else. It's just her. So, as I was saying, him. they're in a cave. They're in a cave. I think they have sex again in the cave. It's not graphic. It's just icky. Weird. It's just weird. Okay, it's so weird they hear that she goes from "Don't rape me" to "Now I love." You. At, they hear a hyena. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's at nighttime in the cave. Oh, oh. And yep, he's yep. and he is, you know, legitimately trying to do the right thing. He's trying to protect this woman by shooting wildly into the night. Yeah, so he takes his pistol and he's all bravado and he shoots it. The bullet ricochets and and hits hits Marion in the tummy. Listen. Listen you male listeners. We don't need you to puff out your chests and shoot hyenas into the night. We don't need that because what happens when you do? Who gets hurt in the end? We do. We get bullets in the gut. That's right. When you try to kill hyenas for us, we get bullets in the gut. So it's not You just good. let that be a lesson. Right. So she dies. Well. 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 Uh, chronology. Hashtag. So she dies. Right. She dies and he, uh, find cave. And he finds the road and makes it back. Well, but not before. He seals her up in this little, this, he like wraps her body and he's a, pretty upset about yeah, it. Yeah, in a Jesus-esque you know? tomb. And yeah, he wraps her up and he seals her in this little this little crevasse in the rock and he shoves a bunch of rocks in there so the wild animals don't eat her alive and also to hide her body. Right, exactly. He hustles it to army headquarters. Right. And so, this uh, supposedly all of this happens in like 18 hours. Well, sure. You can get a lot of raping in 18 hours. I mean, hours. less than a day, this entire series of events takes place. Again, not being flippant. It's just gross. Yeah, it's so just weird. So he makes it back. He's we, we kind of do the Wayne's World doop thing, and like he's done with the flashback. Right. He's recounted his story to his Um And then, basically, not much happens. He's hanging out around the, um, the, the, the camp. He finds out that he's going home. Yeah, I think... He's I, been granted leave. Yeah, he's been... It's not that he is being discharged. He just gets to go back to Italy. Although it is implied that he's, like, done. Right. In Africa. Yeah. He's, they start drinking, and he announces how much he loves his wife. And then he announces how pretty uh, Marion was. So he and this other officer are sort of just, you know, getting drunk and, oh, yay, I, my tooth doesn't hurt anymore, and I get to go home, and isn't that so great? And they meet up with, an, like, a major. Well, they they're kind of... 
if, if initially they're sort of taken to task by this major because these guys are sort of getting drunk. They're sitting in this, you know, African village with a bottle of wine, getting drunk, and then this this major who's you know a couple of ranks above them starts starts taking them to task and. It turns out that he's sort of just like, ah, I'm just kidding because I'm kind of a weirdo too. I'm kind of a lech myself. Yeah, he and he does turn out kind of, we find out later, he does kind of turn out to be a, a gross. And so guy. the three of these guys go kind of staggering out into the dark. And, uh, They're he's, all drunk yeah, and laughing. He's trying to get them to find some of the local African girls attractive and maybe um, hook up with some of them. And uh, we see some of them and some of them are like sitting around at some huts and wearing turbans. Yeah, they're all in white, and there's two girls sitting together wearing these white turbans. Nicolas Cage's friend walks over and is like, hey, I'm going to you know, see if these girls want a little action. And the major uh, is just laughing hysterically to himself, and he's talking to Nicolas Cage about how this other officer is never going to get these Enrico. girls. And how it's hilarious to him that he doesn't understand why he's not going to get these girls. And, and, and Rico, Nicolas Cage's character, is curious as to what's so funny what's the inside joke we don't know and it turns out that these girls are lepers they all have le- if, if they're wearing a turban they have leprosy and this um strikes fear into the heart of enrico because why why does it nate why because when marion when marion was uh bathing in the nude she was wearing a turban. She was wearing a turban. Dun, dun, dun. And so, oh, oh, you know what? We totally forgot to say that uh, Nicolas Cage fell down and hurt his hand before he met Marion. Yes, that's true. Plot point. Plot, it, it's my, minor but important. So on his journey into the wastelands, he falls and cuts his hand on like a tree or something. And it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal at the time. And he meets Marion and then he rapes her and then she dies. So, you know, right. obviously more important. We things. kind of forget about it. The tooth is way more important to him. His hand hurts. Yeah, but whatever. Um, but then he finds out. Right. That and basically it's common knowledge that if you see someone in this white turban, they're a leper. They're to be avoided. Yada, yada. Well, Marion is out in the wilderness alone, and she's got a turban on. Right. So now... No idea if leprosy is sexually transmitted. I'm not I'm not exactly sure how all that works. I didn't know it was still a thing. I guess it was. So he is kind of fixated now that I have leprosy. Right. He's sort of begun this process of freaking out about how he's going to have leprosy. Right. So let's let's slow it down. So he is he finds this out on this drunken night and starts to freak out internally, not telling anybody. At one point his company um there's an attack at the right, construction right, site right, that right. he passes on his way to the headquarters where he's he's stationed now. And so his company goes out to the headquarters. The the re- Ethiopian rebels that they're fighting have attacked the construction site. So they're sort of backtracking. And they're all wandering through the same place where he met Marion. And he's kind of freaking out that... Somehow he'll be found out. He'll be found out. And that they're going to find her body or they're going to find some paraphernalia that they'll identify as his. And so now he's starting to have this like paranoia sort of a thing between guilt, finding her. Guilt, one might call it. Yeah, and then, you know, okay, now I have leprosy and I'm, I've got leprosy. So right. all of that's sort of happening and it's very badly done from, again, from sort of an artistic standpoint. It's just it's just bad storytelling. It's, it's all very clunky. It's all very, very, very matter of fact. You don't really care. It was really hard for us to even pay attention to what was going on. Um, but, you know, at some point, this all happens 
I assume to try and and twist the plot a little bit and drive a, the plot point home a little bit. But he does end up sort of making his way to this port town where he's supposed to get on a boat that's going to take him home. Right. And so he meets this doctor. He's, he tells the doctor he's writing a novel. <laughs> Such a, a classic uh, cinematic trope of, hey, I'm writing a no- novel and I, I need to research this um, character who has leprosy. Tell me about that. And so the doctor says that um, if you get leprosy, sometimes it can take a couple of days to show up, which I, I can't imagine is true. Also, it's characterized by wounds not healing. Right. And in the meantime, you know, his hand is getting worse and he... He's got it wrapped in a bandage and nobody gets to see it. But every time the camera, you know, he changes the bandage, it's getting worse. He's clearly not taking care of it properly. He's just trying to hide it and not actually treat it. And so this has now become this sort of like, okay, well, this wound isn't healing. So I have leprosy. Hey, Brett, perhaps the wound is is really more on his soul. No, no, it's just a cut. No, it's just a bad, it's just a cut. I'm talking metaphorically here. No, it's just a cut. So, um... For some reason, he shoots at the doctor. Well, he's just getting freaked out. And the doctor's like, hey, I got this book on leprosy. I'm going to give it to you. And now let me look at your hand. Leprosy because, and you. Yeah. And so so now Nicolas Cage's character That's is right. like That's freaked right. out. He's like, I've got leprosy. My hand's not going to heal. And now this doctor wants to see my hand. And he's going to know that it's me that I'm talking about. And so he shoots him and like runs off. It's well, he doesn't so shoot weird. at me like shoots at. He shoots at him. The direction. doctor doesn't die. But like he takes off with no explanation. It's very strange. He gets to the boat, and instead oh, this of is even this is weird too. This I don't is like get it. the most head scratching thing in the entire movie. He gets to the boat that's going to take him home. <laughs> His name is on the list to get home. But instead of just waiting and getting on the boat, he sneaks on. Well, so he gets he walks onto the boat right, and he's sitting on the boat like, okay, I'm just waiting for the boat to leave the port, and then I'm going to go home. And he's approached by a sailor saying, hey, the boat's not open yet. And in order to get on the boat, you need to have your papers stamped. Right. So, it's like hey, he's, there's, he's, a little, uh, there's a little, there's a little hut just 50 feet away. Just get off the boat, go stamp your papers and you can come back on. It's yeah. going to take you 10 minutes. It's like he know? got on the Dumbo ride at Disneyland without getting a ticket first. Yeah. Without getting I mean, his it's, hand like, stamped. it's like, it's like. All you have to do is get off the boat, get your paper stamped, and you can get back on the boat. But so what then does he, he do? freaks out. He freaks out. And like leaves, like totally books it, takes off. And he's like hiding, hiding in the shadow of the boat, looking at the hut where other people are getting their paper stamped. And he's just like, there's no way in hell I can get my paper stamped. And there is no explanation. I mean, we were talking about this. Is it because he has a cut on his hand? But that makes no sense. Is it because he's afraid he's going to get, I mean, he hasn't shot the doctor. There's nothing. He's not really. There's no instant test for leprosy. And, you know, the other thing is, yes, he has done many wrong things, but none of them are catchable it's not like he's gonna go to the hut to get his paper stamped and someone's gonna find him out he just there it makes zero sense to us why he doesn't just walk over there stamp the stupid papers and get on the boat so instead he finds some locals who are willing to smuggle him on the that boat or a different yeah, boat. he goes into town so the port is part of this kind of bigger town township and so he's sitting at like a restaurant Basically, right. like, what do I do? And the woman proprietor says, well, I can smuggle you on to this boat. He's like, great, smuggle me on to the boat. For 30,000 lira, which theor- theoretically is a lot of money. Right. Then. And he's like, well, I don't have that. Right. There's no way. And so he leaves depressed. He's like, well, this sucks this is a dead end. So he's out of there. Right. He's like, well, I can't do this. Well, he could just get his paperwork done. But 
Yeah, I mean, still, the boat's not gone. He just walked back, stamped his papers. We don't get it. So in the meantime, he ends up, he sees the kind of sketchy major who got them drunk transacting some black market business with some local shop right. owners. Right, he's, he's shady. He's like stealing war supplies and selling them off to the locals. So he's got a lot of money. Yeah, we see him like transacting, like he's going, doing a deal with a local shop owner where he gets this satchel full of money and then he's unloading this wagon, this truck full of like nice liquors or wines or something. Whatever. He's, so he's they, they, screwing the right. army somehow. They, they hook up. He sees him, they hook up and hey buddy, they go to a, a brothel. Right? Yeah, they I, go to a I, I suppose that's what it is. That's what it There's is. There's naked Africans there, so Yeah, women. Women. African women there. It's not and I and I want to um encourage the the listeners that this is not a titillating film in any way. No, it's weird. It is weird. Zandali is coming up. We we uh, we we are anticipating titillation. This is not it. No. And the major is just like, hey, party all the time. I'm a bad guy smuggling black market goods. I got a satchel full of cash. Right. Now I'm going to go screw some whores. And life is so good. I'm going to buy you a whore. And meanwhile, Nicolas Cage is just getting progressively more paranoid right. about his cut hand and right. his supposed leprosy and continuing to do stupid things like not stand it on the boat. So, so they... So. um. They leave, yeah, and they're heading back to the camp, I think. And Enrico, he um, he waits till the this commander goes to take a piss. He steals his money and tells him he's going to leave and start walking back to the port city. He takes all the the bullets out of the guy's gun. Uh, eventually, this this major figures out what happened. He comes back. They Let's have it. this weird altercation where the major's really mad that Enrico stole his money but doesn't have any bullets in his gun. And you just assume there's going to be some like really heated, you know, event where someone's going to get shot. Just assume something will happen. And nothing happens. They like yell at each other right. in the African desert. Like basically Enrico gets caught stealing and then nothing happens. It's just the worst. He just walks off into the desert and the major is mad at him but and wants to kill him but can't and then doesn't try to recover the bullets. I mean, it's just so weightless. Right. right. He starts walking back to town. He doesn't make it there, but he makes it to some village, right? Yeah. So he's now sort of at the end of his rope mentally. Like, he's there's no... I mean, the boat has literally... The ship has sailed. He is not on his ship bound for Italy and... He thinks he's just going to die in Africa of leprosy and never see his wife again. And his mental health is in serious decline. And he's just sort of so he's, just he's yeah. broken. He decides right? to live out his his remaining last days in a in an African village and where he befriends an old man. And the only person in the village is this old man. And and we have seen you know different African characters throughout and sort of little bits and pieces. And but here's this old guy. In this random village that he's the only inhabitant. You don't really have the story about what happened to everybody else. But you also really don't care about what happened. And so Nicolas Cage like curls up in a hut and the old man sort of takes care of him. uh, Yeah, Cage spills his guts about the entire story, everything that happened. Yeah, with Marion. And oh, the other thing we should note is that this man speaks English. 
because that's the only language Nicolas Cage speaks in this movie, even though he is an Italian soldier. And um, that this is like like a Christian, almost like a Christian priest or something for the village. And so... Oh, is that right? I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, because earlier in the movie, we see him doing some sort of a a ceremony with other processional with other All right. village people. But they're not here anymore. They're gone. We right. don't know what happened to them. So, so... Uh, Cage lets him know everything that happened. They go back to this cave where he uh, left Marion. He admits that, yeah, by the way, I didn't just let her die. I shot her in the head. Yeah, so she gets shot. The bullet ricochets and hits her gut. And then we find out here at the end, sort of his confessional is, I shot her to kind of like, Put her out of her misery. Put her out of her misery. Yeah, to end her suffering. But, you know, he's obviously like, you know, now I have leprosy and this is my penance. And Man, this movie is so bad. It's so bad. I, it's just, you know, we're making it we're making it sound awful. And I'm sure it's better listening to us talk about it than actually watching it. And, you know, the thing about it is the last, like, 10 minutes of the movie, there's an actual point. I mean, it really is like he's... Well, don't this, go. Don't go too far. I'm trying not to. But, you know... There is like he's just wandering around Africa and he's just stricken with guilt and remorse and paranoia and mental breakdown. And then he just like finally lets all of this out. Like he just confesses it all to some random guy. Right. Of course, this random guy turns out to be her dad. Of course. Marion's dad, who lets Nicolas Cage's character know what? That. She did not have leprosy. Didn't have leprosy after all. So he's good there. Win-win. Uh, her dad's pretty pissed for about three seconds and then gets over it. Well, and then he like forget. I mean, it's this really crazy. Now, I'm going to confess I'm, I'm pro this for, sin I'm, and then right. I'm going to forgive it. I mean, it's it's cool in that right. way. But I will tell you, by the time you get to this point in the movie, you just don't care. Now, you just don't care. Britt and I, as a rule, are pro forgiveness in our in our Absolutely. lives. You sure. Know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good for the soul. However, it just in this movie, it's just so weird and truncated and and it just it just kind of feels so tacked on that they're trying to attach some sort of moral message to this movie and it and it and it just falls flat on its face in my opinion. Well, and you they want you to care more about this character than you do. I mean, it's really hard to like him. It's really hard to root for him. There's nothing good in him. I mean, he rapes a woman while he's married and then all the other stuff happens. It's just there's nothing about him that makes you think, well, you know, he's a good guy. I wish he would win in the end. I mean, you just at best, you're feeling nothing towards him. You know, you really, know, if he died, it would be OK. You know what? What would have saved this movie is a stellar performance from Cage. A great, uh, weird, crazy performance can make the worst kind of flat movies watchable and and we just don't get that here yeah so let's just you know let's skip to the end so he does this whole big confessional to the christian priest marion's dad who forgives him almost immediately and then tells him marion didn't have leprosy so he doesn't have leprosy and then basically rubs some salve on his hand and heals it immediately and this all happens you know in 10 minutes of filmmaking but it's i think supposed to be over the course of a couple of days of you know soul cleansing or something like that cut to the boat right yeah, so then all of this happens, and then you just flash forward. Oh, and the to, war—the war is over. He's on a boat, and he reunites. By the way, we've conquered you. <laughs> yeah, so it's like the war is over, and he's on a boat headed back to Italy, and he meets up with his officer buddy and sort of fills him in on, you know. By the way, everything's cool now. What happened? And 
then it you kind of go from here's this we're going to focus on the cage character sort of being the the focal point of our story to you know he melts away into the crowd of soldiers and now it's the other officer doing a voiceover of like i never saw him again i always wondered what happened to my friend and fade to black right and that's the entire thing yeah yeah seriously Again, I I understand that maybe they're trying to go for some sort of, you know, he can't leave Africa until he's cleansed his soul of conf- and confessing his sins and sought forgiveness and his wound in his hand might even be a symbol of his internal, you know, guilt and I get all of that, but man, it's just done so badly. I don't well, care. And, yeah, and for a while I thought maybe him raping the girl was a metaphor for the Italian's rape of the Ethiopian culture, that kind of thing. It's, it, I mean, listen, you could play this movie all of those ways. And and maybe you should as a watcher. But I will say that the the middle, the middle ground scenes, they, they do nothing for you. By the time you get to all of these points where you're thinking, okay, I'm going to try and extract some meaning from this film. Man, I don't even care. You just, there is absolutely no, nothing worth investing in, in this movie. Yeah, this, this may be the worst Nick Cage movie. Certainly we've seen so far, but maybe the worst Nicolas Cage movie overall. Now in our research on Wikipedia, of course, um, we did read I, some about the book that this is based on, and it is based on a very well-known book in Italian, um, Italian author sort of writing about this time period in their history and the, the altercations that they had in Ethiopia led up to this conflict. And I do believe that probably from a literary perspective, the book um, is a much better version of this story, that there actually is probably more literary merit to the story than than the film itself i think the film is a very badly done version of this probably otherwise very decent right. if not good story someday i will learn to read and i will catch up on that someday all right well <laughs> that was our very quick review of time to kill we're gonna play some sort of song right now from the soundtrack i suppose we will be back right away with our ratings of Time to Kill and with our uh, patented cage cast running totals rapid fire questionnaire. So stay tuned, folks. Hey, we are back. Let's do this. Brit. Yes. This film is entertainment. Zero out of four stars. What do you rate it? Oh, you guys, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And it might even hurt me more than it hurts Cage. But this was just awful. And I give it a zero. Wow. Our first zero. It is That's bad. bad. I'm going to give it. Do not recommend. Right. I'm going to give it a 0. 0.5. Oh. Oh, why? Too much. Why waste your points? Because I was I was so confused watching it that I was I was real genuinely interested in what was going to happen next because I was so off put by the entire thing. I'm not going to give it a zero. Zero would be watching paint dry. Well, that's I, what this was. I might I could rather keep my eyes watch open. paint dry, but I'm going to give it a point five. Ooh, so generous, so Br- generous, Mr. Nate Porter. 
as a work of filmmaking, artistically, direction, cinematography, that kind of thing, what do you rate this film? Again, you know, uh, I want to say zero. I really do. It's just so bad. I suppose I suppose I should give it something. I mean, people put time into it. Dollars were spent making it. 0.5 with yeah. chag- a chagrined 0.5. Yeah, I'm going to give it a one. A reluctant I'm going to give it a five. one, which is, again, too high, so low. But there were some, a few pretty shots of the African, you know. Wilderness. Wilderness and vistas. And some of the shots were lined up properly. So we'll give it a one. But it's it's the weakest of ones that I could give it. Okay. Um, uh, Britt has... Uh, Nicolas Cage, his performance. You know, folks, we have seen him do some incredible acting. And we've seen him do some mediocre acting. And now I believe we've seen him do some bad acting. And I don't necessarily blame Cage for this. I think now that what we have seen in our journey thus far is that truly he is capable of great things if he is given great things great things if he is given a good story and good direction. He was given neither in this case. And so reluctantly again i rate his performance as a one at best yeah yeah i you know it was flat it was stilted it was um kind of lacking of the i mean he there were a few moments that he kind of went a little nuts but it wasn't it didn't feel raw and exciting it just felt uh, off-putting like it just wasn't great i'll give it a one you know and again this is not to belittle our our ever hero Mr. Cage. We have seen him do amazing things. And in our last episode where we reviewed Vampire's Kiss uh, with our good friend, Mr. Tapel. Um, Shout out to Fred. That's right. Hi, Fred. You know, one of the things he pointed out is that Vampire's Kiss very much seemed like a, a, um, a preparing of a certain type of skills that he can add to his his resume that he we see him bring out later on in his career in other films. I don't see any of that sort of skills preparation right. in this movie. I don't see that it's contributing at all to his wheelhouse of abilities. I don't see that it's enhancing his career. It just seems like a real step backwards for him. And I I mostly blame the director and the writers and and the what he, the material he's given. Although I suppose I do have to assign some blame to him. in and of itself just that he'd made this choice yeah you know you know in the films that we've rated him highly in his performances especially last time in vampire's kiss and as well as um you know moonstruck and raising arizona and even peggy sue got married only he could have pulled it off anyone else in that role it wouldn't have worked and and in this role it could have been anyone anyone could have given a horrible performance and the movie would have been exactly the same. This was not a Nick Cage movie. This was, you know, some it might have its defenders, but I'm not one of them. It's a one that brings our total to four points. Incredibly low uh, score. I believe I, our lowest. Yeah, I, I have to check. The Boy in Blue was pretty bad, but I would rather watch The Boy in Blue a thousand times than have to watch this one again. Yes, I would agree. That was probably our other um, notably poor showing of Mr. Cage, but that was pretty early on in his career. Again, not a great script, not a lot of good direction from what we could see. Um, and but he, way better than this, yeah? But way better than this. Absolutely. All right, All right let's do this. Um, okay, uh, are you ready for our running totals rapid fire questionnaire, Brent? I am, All right. yes. I'm going to ask you the questions, okay? Yes. In this movie, is Nicolas Cage a... <laughs> can't even say it. A lady killer. Oh, literally. Literally, he kills ladies or a lady. Now, this yes. is the second 
second movie in a row he has killed a woman. Yes, it is. A, a disturbing trend. A pattern. We will see. In this movie, was he drunk or high? Drunk for sure, yes. High, probably on painkillers. Possibly. Got a little rapey. Got a little rapey. In this movie, did he have crazy hair? No, standard issue soldier hair. He might have had some crazy hair, but it wasn't like part of the character. No. Like it just got, he got disheveled. Yes, disheveled hair. In this movie, did Nicolas Cage have a crazy voice, accent, or inflection? No, and that is just part of what is so baffling. He is supposed to be an Italian soldier, and he is just Nicolas Cage. Well, he's, he's just Mr. Cage. He's Nicolas Coppola. Isn't he Italian? He's not, I mean... I mean, in, in real life, isn't he a, of Italian descent? Well, theoretically, sure, but in the... I mean, there's Couldn't nothing. Couldn't you pull off an Italian accent? No, there's uh, nothing. And what's interesting, too, is that none of his fellow Italian soldier actors have Italian accents either. Yeah, nobody. Nobody does. All right. Nobody cares. Uh, in no this, one's that committed. In, okay, uh, uh, in this movie, do we see Cage rage? No. No, we see Cage paranoia. Yeah, no yeah, he gets a little crazy, but nothing like... No. That would qualify as Cage. The bar has been set, and, and this comes nowhere near it. In this movie, does Cage punch or get punched? Sure. Yeah? I don't even remember or care. He must. I believe there's a little bit of a brawl with the Major, but uh, but certainly not anything. I mean, you know. Maybe. You know, he sure. rapes someone, so I'm going to count that as a, okay. pu- a punch to there's her. There's physical contact. Her, her psyche. Sure. Okay. Her soul. <laughs> does... And in this movie, does Nicolas Cage run with a flashlight? No. I swear this will happen. Oh, yeah, and when it does, listeners, mine's exploding. And we're done. Hey, that was it. That was time to kill. What did you think? I hope that what you thought was, I don't know, I haven't seen it, because we don't recommend that you do. It, it will take a lot of effort on your part to acquire the proper 80s technology to screen this don't, film. Don't watch it, guys. Don't watch it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let this serve as a signpost, a warning. Stay away. Agreed. So... Now we have put this to bed. We have done as much as we feel we ought to do in reviewing this film. And we are going to be swiftly on to our next Nicolas Cage movie, uh-huh. 1990s Wild at Heart, starring Laura Dern, Willem Dafoe, Crispin Glover, Harry Dean Stanton, and our favorite Nicolas Cage, <laughs> written and directed by David Lynch. Have you seen any David Lynch movies, Britt? No. Mulholland Drive? No. Um, I know he's one of your favorite directors, but I think he's a little too weird for me. The Elephant Man. No. Inland Empire. No. I'm telling you folks. A straight story. No. Okay. David Lynch is a Mr. Nate Porter director. He is not a Brit Porter director. I'll leave it at that. Well, listeners, have you seen Wild at Heart? What do you remember about the film? What do you think of Cage in the movie? Send us your thoughts. Again, I love cagecast at gmail.com is the email address. Send us your review. We will get you on the air or call 3008 Cage OK. <laughs> That's three. We have yet to get a call. I, I bet we'll get through every movie and not get one call to our voicemail let's, line. Oh, let's do it. Let's make that our personal goal. My mother will call our voicemail line if you listeners do not do that. Sharon? We don't want you to. We want to get through this whole series without getting any calls. Don't do it, Sharon. Remember, that's 330-822-4365. 3008-CAGE-OK. Music this week can all be found on the Time to Kill original motion picture soundtrack, if you can find it. And our theme song was written by Chris Cornell and Soundgarten and performed by Johnny Cash. Remember to go to iTunes and leave us a four or five star review. It will really help. We'll be back next week, and until then, we leave you with a reminder that if you meet a lizard in the desert, 
Don't give him your cigarette. He's got enough problems on his own. Thanks, everybody. Bye. bravado and he shoots it but what happens nate what happens do you want me to edit out that no i don't care what happens my mother is listening i don't care what happens nate (laughs)